Whilst the stage is getting ready, won't you just uh, turn to John chapter 15, verse 12 this morning. John chapter 15, verse 12. Very good morning to everyone. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And he goes on to explain what kind of love he has for his disciples. It says, greater love has no one in this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master's will is. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. This morning, I'm wanting to preach on biblical friendship. That's a bit of an interesting topic to choose. But um, in line with what we've been doing, we've spent some weeks looking at how do we grow in our spiritual maturity. And uh, we had the first one being scripture. We had the second being community. The third being prayer, which was last week, and then the fourth, was which, which was just mentioned, but we're not going to preach on it at this time, is generosity, financial giving. Didn't think, maybe some of you didn't uh, think that would be in the list. But uh, that was in a survey done by um, assessing 300,000 people, asking the question, what caused the greatest spiritual growth in their lives? And I feel this morning, um, in line with this series, there's nothing new or profound. What I'm going to say this morning is very simple, but I'm hoping this morning to stir us up as a church um, in something that is essential for us moving forward. And uh, it's tagged onto what Pierre preached on community. And this morning, what I want to speak on is biblical friendship. Now, why on earth would we take time to preach on something like this? Well, first of all, you need to know it is a value for us here. Because friendship, this is important, church is centered around community, and community is built on friendship. I'll say it again. The church essentially is a community and community essentially is built on friendship. Church is not merely, listen to me this morning, church is not merely faithful attendance to hear the word. Church is not merely financial giving. Church is not merely having an opportunity for your personal space to engage with God on a Sunday morning in worship. Church is about coming together as a community where the partnership is life on life. And the partnership is a purpose. And the purpose is what Peter calls to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But the fiber, the glue, if I could put it that way, that binds us together is friendship. And Jesus said, without this essential ingredient, this is very important, without this essential ingredient of friendship, we lose our credibility as a church. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, he says, listen to this, it is as strong as this, a new commandment. I, Jesus Christ himself, give unto you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, we preach on this often, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And Jesus describes what this love looks like in John chapter 15. That's what we read this morning together. He says, this is my commandment. He says that you love one another as I have loved you. And how does he unpack that love? Greater love has no one in this than that someone lay down his life for his friends. Isn't that interesting? Jesus uses the term friend. He could have used the term man. He could have used the term person, neighbor. He's used that term before, but in this case, he says, disciples among you, the greatest demonstration of love to the world is the way you lay your life down in friendship. And I want to ask you this morning, it is a question that I have struggled with this week, is how important is friendship to us here? And this is why you might wonder, why do we have those awkward photos of the small group leaders coming into the foyer when you see a... I really don't like that photo of me, I'll be honest, which uh, Roger posted from Facebook. Why do we have coffee time after the service? Why do we try? They, they seem like rather pathetic attempts to draw people in. But we do it because we believe that as far as we can, we want to create space for relationships to form. Because we believe fundamentally that without those relationships, this is just an empty space of words coming out from the pulpit on Sunday, but essentially there's no life or warmth or love. And we believe fellowship is much deeper than a cup of coffee. We want you to know that. <laughs> we believe fellowship and friendship is sharing our lives together. And if I had to ask you this morning, what you really long for in your life, it would be to be loved, to belong. And I would probably put it that the number one reason perhaps some of you here this morning have moved churches or been reluctant to come back to church is because you've never ever felt wanted. And I am willing to put my Money at stake to say, no matter how amazing the sermons are from the front, no matter how amazing the worship is, no matter how amazing the coffee is, <laughs> what's going to make us a sticky church and a church that represents Jesus is a much deeper affection for each other. 
And Jesus shows his affection towards the men that have walked with him, eaten with him, slept under the stars with him, fished with him, preached with him, suffered with him. He says, disciples, you are not my servants. This is the Son of God who is worthy of worship, praise, and honor. This is the Son of God that could demand total obedience surely because of his status. But Jesus says, disciples, you are more to me than servants. You are my friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And friends, the reason why we want to preach this this morning is point two, is that real friendship portrays a true reflection of a relational God. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why on earth does there have to be a trinity? It's the most confusing thing from a person looking outside in of having one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you ever asked yourself, why does it have to be like that? Do you know it's because within the Godhead itself, there is perfect friendship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect communion together all the time. And so when you gaze into God, you don't just see a God of holiness, which is what you do. You don't just see a God of all power. You don't see a God of all authority. You see a God that lives in community. And friends, as we are called to become disciples of this very God through His Son, Jesus Christ, one of the greatest consequences or subsidiary blessings of believing in Him is that we get to enter into a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, what is your view of God? You might have come in here this morning wondering, well, is God a Sunday school story to you? Is God some object to be appeased? Is God some person in your life that uh, kind of keeps you accountable and on track, but never really gets personally involved? Friends, the gospel itself this morning is good news because through coming to a place of faith in Jesus Christ, God invites you to become his friend. It is the most profound blessing that life can offer. One of the greatest verses in Scripture is Psalm 25, verse 14. It says, the friendship, listen to this, this is not the honor, this is not a position in his household. It says, no, no, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I 
command. And I want to ask you, what is motivating you in your life and relationship with God this morning? Because in this text, there is a promise, there is a golden carrot, <laughs> if I could put it that way. Is God is saying, I'm not just inviting you into forgiveness of sin. I'm not just inviting you into a place of distant relationship with me. I'm inviting you into a friendship. And there was a man in Scripture that called Abraham who was called a friend of God. And this invitation is an invitation to know God in a much more real way than you ever have done before. And if I can slip it in here, I want to ask you, how hungry are you to know him this morning? How much does he matter to you in your life? Because what he's offering is more than just a rescue plan. What he's offering to you is more than just a, a, a what's that number eight ball that you shake, kind of, and you, what's it called? When you shake and up comes a number, yes or no, or the, the word yes or no, what do you call it? Magic eight ball, that's it. He's more than just a system or ritual. What he's inviting you into this morning is a relationship with him that is as deep as friendship. And so the second point of why I want to preach on this morning is because friendship, godly friendship at work within his people portrays a relational God that invites us into friendship with himself. But the third thing of the reason why friendship is so important to us, Ridge, is because really friendship is at the heart of missional living. What I mean by that, missional living is our responsibility to be ambassadors for Jesus. It is such a relief for me this morning that I don't have to go onto the street corner, though God may call me to do that, and go and preach to strangers across the streets or go door to door, which some people do, and I'm very grateful for them, and knock on the door and say, do you know about Jesus? No, no, the primary way the gospel moves is from friend to friend, as PJ Smart says. And so this morning, the breadth of the gospel, the reach of the ridge, depends on how well we do in friendship around us. Remember what one, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says that... Um, so being affectionately desirous of you, he's talking to the Thessalonians, listen to this, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, the message, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And friends, the gospel shared in relationship is what gives it its power, because it's an invitation not just into the truth, but into community. And the two go hand in hand. Question. How much is friendship a value to you? And the way that we can assess it this morning is there was a very clever guy called Aristotle, and he said there are three kinds of friendships. If you want to evaluate the depth of your friendship, friendships in your life. He says there are three kinds. The first is this, the friendship of utility, which is basically when you and I can get something out of that person. And a friendship of utility is someone like your colleague who you have to work together at work. 
and uh, you kind of brought together because you're forced to be in the same office, or perhaps it's a boss or an employee, and the rhythm of your life coincides, and you kind of labor together, and uh, you actually uh, have a relationship with them because you're getting something out of them. But if you change jobs, you would never call them up and invite them to your birthday party. You would never be the one who would kind of remember them on their birthday and say, well, you know, how's it going? Or you, you wouldn't really have a relationship with them outside of the task that you share together. That's the first level of friendship. The second level of friendship is the friendship of pleasure. And this is where you like being together because you share common interests. So maybe it's sports or maybe it's watching sports, or maybe it's some aspect of life where you rub shoulders and you just enjoy being together because you share the same interest. Second kind of friendship. But if the interest wasn't there, there would be no interest in each other. The third is virtue. And this is where we pursue a life of growing together, ethically, morally, and spiritually. And it's so that our characters can become deeper. And if you had to look at the biblical picture of friendship, it would be the third one, the friendship of virtue. It is a sharing of our lives. And uh, this is what Jesus meant in John chapter 15 when he said, For all that the Father has shown me, I have made known to you. There is a sharing of Jesus' life with his friends at a level that is much more intimate than just common interest and utility. And if you had to ask why Jesus would put biblical friendship he would say it would be number three, the friendship of virtue. Now, why do I make a fuss of these three kinds of friendships? Well, what's important to remember is this, is that the heart of friendship is love. And Jesus put unpacks this in John chapter 15, verse 12 to 13. He says, A new commandment, or this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. At the heart of friendship is this Greek word called agape, which is love. And Paul calls his friends agapeto which is literally beloved ones. That's quite special. I was thinking about that this morning. You know, the only person I would call my beloved is my wife. No, sorry? Heck, if I called anyone else beloved and she was in the room, I think she would feel a little bit um, offended. But Paul says the place that the friends, his friends held in his life were beloved. He calls Eponetus in Romans chapter 16, beloved. Tychicus in Ephesians 6 verse 21, beloved. 2 Timothy 1 verse 2, my beloved son or child in the faith. Paul used this word, agape, love, as the root of his friendship with those around him. Now the problem is this. Friendships of utility, which is the first one, where you just kind of share those relationships because of work, and friendships of pleasure aren't really rooted in love. It really goes according to what I get out of this relationship. And I want to ask you this morning, how many of your friends, if I had to put in inverted commas, 
are friends that are friends or friendships of utility. Where you kind of do life together because you get something out of them. But if you kind of move that space, they'll be gone. How many of you this morning would put friendships in your life at the point of pleasure? Where you kind of mingle because you have the same interests. Well, I want to say that's not really rooted in love. That's not really the picture of true friendship because really what's binding you is not a commitment to each other in love. What's binding you is just sheer interest and it's nice to have company around you. Ah, how many of us this morning could say we have friendships that are rooted in love? Where there is a kind of relationship between that friend and yourself that you know it goes deeper than just sheer interest or task. It's that category in your life that reveals the depth of how much we truly value friendship. You with me? And I want to say to you this morning, many of us here in this room are longing for deeper friendship. Many of us here in this room are lonely. Many of us in this room are feeling isolated. Many of us in this room are feeling like you don't have friendships of virtue. I know it. It's been expressed. And in my own life, I've got to say, out of all three, the well of friendships of virtue is not as high as what I'd like it to be. And it's in this third category, when you find friendships that start to tap into that kind of level, at the virtuous level, that you start to feel fulfilled. But how do you get them? This is important this morning. How do you move the relationships of friendships in your life from one to three? Well, the first is this. Biblical love and friendship requires a rugged commitment. Why do we put this first? Do you know that in a day, an age when you have all the access to interaction that's possible, how many of you are on WhatsApp here? Put up your hand. Wow, I thought it would be more. Is that everybody who's on WhatsApp? How many of you are on Facebook? Someone's lying here. <laughs> I would bet it is probably... Well, actually, I don't bet. Research shows you that despite our technological connectedness, we are a generation suffering from the deepest loneliness and isolation in the history of data. And the problem with our generation is this, is we suffer from shallow friendships. And you want to know what the root of that is? It's because we base our friendships merely on convenience and self-centeredness. I put it to you this morning, if you have a look in your life and you're frustrated with a lack of depth in your friendships, I'll tell you what the problem is. 
The problem is you want friendships on your term only. In other words, everybody has to just fit into your life. Ha, finish. Don't inconvenience me in stepping out of my comfort zone into your world. Heaven forbid someone comes around to my house. Heaven forbid I go into a small group. Heaven forbid I actually have to change the rhythm of my life to some degree to come and cater for, create space for deep, meaningful relationship. It is a universal truth this morning, and I want to say the problem of shallow friendships is this. We want it on our own terms. And so the first point of how do we move our friendships from a superficial utility and pleasure, because I promise you, I promise you, you might think your friendship is deep, but change that job, change the, the context, change the situation, that person's out of your life. What will change is a willingness to move into a rugged commitment to those around you that moves beyond merely what I can get out of this relationship and moves into the kind of love Jesus talks about is what can I give? See, it's interesting here. Jesus models his love by saying, greater love has no man in this than what? He he what? He laid down his life for his friends. What did he give? What did he give? His life. Wow. There's the switch. So many of us here this morning have looked at our relationships from the sight of going, how do they fit into my life, my time, my space. Do you want to know what true liberty and true depth and true joy in friendship starts or how you bring, about, bring that about? It's the way Jesus thought. He says, how can I give my life or share my life, lay down my life for you? I have a friend who's called Anna. Some of us know Anna here. She's, uh, you might have seen her. She comes into the congregation from time to time. She's currently in bloom, and she's got very blonde, curly hair. And Anna, I have watched operate for a number of years. And for me, I have often looked at her life and gone, wow, I would love to have friendships like Anna. Her life just seems to be so rich with people. Now, she is a high extrovert, and she has a capacity for people that can, exceeds my own. But what I've watched about Anna is this. Anna lives with the mindset of looking at people and saying, how can I serve you? How can I love you? She remembers birthdays. She's there at birthday parties. She's there at births. She's there in times of prayer, of need. She's there in times when it inconveniences her. I know if Marina ever needed anything and Anna was around, she's now moved out of town, Anna was in town, she'd be the first to come. Friends, when you start to look at people who engage like that, the difference and the challenge that they are is they are willing to put themselves in situations and contexts and people's lives in a manner of saying, 
first and foremost, how can I share my life with you? It's not first and foremost, how can you share your life with me on my own terms? And the challenge this morning is, some of us here are lonely. Some of us here long for real friendship and are feeling isolated. I want to ask you this morning, how wide will you open the door of your life to be shared with others? And it's going to cost you something. And this is how it's going to cost you. Commitment, first and foremost, that biblical love requires in friendship is a commitment to presence. It's a commitment to be with them. If you notice how God deals with his people in the Old Testament, he's with them in the wilderness. There's a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God never lets his people walk alone. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 12 says, And I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. The presence of God in the way that he invites us into friendship is he's committed to be with us. Present. In the New Testament, and there was the temple as well. In the New Testament, Jesus is with his disciples a lot. And then he says, when I go to be the Father, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. There's a commitment to presence. And friends, this is a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for you this morning. If we are wanting meaningful friendships that are falling in the third category of virtue, it is going to cost us a look at our schedules and our time. One of the most profound parenting advice I ever read was this. Children spell love, T-I-M-E, time. And the more time I spend with my little girl, Sarah, the deeper our connection is. And some of us are hoping for friendships that are fulfilling, but there's not enough time. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 10 says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Time. The second way commitment is played out and what it looks like is it's a commitment of advocacy to be for them. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we be for people? How do we show being for a person or a friend? Well, the first is, God sets the example. Is we guard that friend's character? Does God ever tell the world what you share with him in confidence? Isn't that a wonderful trait about God? Could he if he wanted to? Yes. If you wanted to be a friend that people are wanting to share their lives with, they need to know you're a safe place. Ladies and gents, are you a safe place for those around you? Secondly, it is being quick to forgive. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 is, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And I want to ask you this morning, how quick are you in showing that you are for the friends in your life by being ready to forgive? 
God demonstrates this by showing us he is quick to forgive. The third is, we show that we are for our friends by watching blind spots. It is a willingness to be honest, even if it's awkward. And lastly, how do we show ourselves to be for our friendships? It's being an encourager. Some of us here this morning struggle to make friends because we're not very pleasant to be around. People can only stomach half an hour of conversation around us because what comes out of our mouth is, oh, have you seen our government? Have you seen the food prices? Have you seen my boss? Have you seen the roads? Oh, that's a classic one at the moment. The roads. Have you seen Oxford Street? It takes me five more minutes to get to work than it used to last month. Friends, people love being around people who spur them on. And one of the greatest things I appreciate about the friends in my life is they encourage us. And when you're with them, you know they want you to succeed. Do people know that you're for them? And lastly, the way commitment plays out is a commitment to direction, which is you're willing to grow with them. And Jesus modeled this. His friendship with his disciples wasn't just a cup of coffee. It wasn't just a nice rugby match. It wasn't just a nice uh, get-together where there was good conversation and spending time. That stuff, there's nothing bad in that. But Jesus said every friendship that he had around him had a purpose, and it was this. He said, I don't call you friends. Why? What was the difference? He says, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. What Jesus' intention in friendship was, was to grow together in God. And I want to say this morning, every friendship in your life that you have at the moment, God has intended for a purpose. And one of these things, one, this for me personally, if, if this clicks this morning, it will radically change the way you see people that God brings into your life. Can I just drop in a thought this morning? Why do you spend time with your friends as a Christian? Can I ask you that If they are not saved, I want to say to you this morning, it is just as important that your reason for being friends with them fundamentally in the back of your mind is you want them to discover Jesus. You want them to grow in God. If we truly love our friends and we believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no way to the Father but through Him, our fundamental concern in our loving them as friends is, do they know Jesus Christ? And I want to ask you this morning, the reason why every friendship in your life is, has purpose as a Christian is because of this fundamental fact that without Jesus Christ, they are going to hell. Bit of a wake-up call. God introduces them into your life for friendship. Why? For this purpose is that he wants you to be an instrument in their life to share Christ. And I'm speaking here in full knowledge of knowing that this is not a comfortable thing. It's not a comfortable conversation. But it is the reason why we are here, church. 
is because people matter to God. And we engage with them through friendship. And the reason for that friendship fundamentally is this. Is we're called to love them. Practically, yes. Time, yes. But if we miss the purpose for that love, the purpose for that friendship, that purpose for that relationship, is we miss the boat. It's to bring them into a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and a relationship with God. And when that clicks into your heart, it fuels something in the way you see people around you. Because every moment is a possibility of engaging with them, loving them, serving them with purpose. And so regardless this morning of whether they are saved or not, friendship is a requirement, a commitment to grow together. But in this point, friendship amongst Christians primarily is to spur us on in growing in our relationship with Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a Christian friend, a brother or sister that you can pour out your heart to, that you can pray with? I'm not talking about a cup of coffee only. I'm talking about a life that has insight into yours and vice versa. How do we land this? Who is God calling you this morning to show rugged commitment towards? I'll tell you who, first and foremost, your spouse, your children, your extended family, they are a given. You don't have to pray, God, who must I show rugged commitment to this morning? Your family is number one. But secondly, I wanted to say this morning, who are those in your life that Jesus is calling you to show biblical love and friendship towards? Jesus only chose 12, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We only have capacity for so many. I want to ask you this morning, who are you being intentional with? Have you asked God, God, in this next season, who are you calling me to love and serve in friendship? Secondly, are there friendships in your life that you have to restore this morning? Are there broken relationships where you have not shown forgiveness and not shown a rugged commitment towards? Friends, our relationships matter to God. And this morning, your rugged commitment must surpass your own bitterness and unforgiveness. And lastly, do you know any friends at the Ridge? Can you call anybody in this room friend. And I want to stir you this morning with an invite. Would you be willing to share your life this morning with this community? What will that mean? That means sharing your life in terms of your time, your home, your connections, your resources, 
And Richards, I want to ask you this morning, when last have you opened up your life to somebody new here? Because I want to say this morning, if we get this thing right, we will hit a nerve in the world that will set us apart. And when people talk about the ridge, they'll say, you know what, those people are authentic. Not because of what they preach, not because of what they sing, but because of the way they share their lives with those that come in. Let's pray. Father, we want to lay down our lives before you this morning. Father, some of us here this morning are bankrupt in this area of friendship. Some of us here this morning are tired of living in isolation, are tired of feeling the loneliness of not knowing anybody in a space of real, deep, meaningful relationship. And so, Father, I want to pray this morning that you would stir afresh in our hearts the importance and value of friendship. That we were designed for it. We were saved into it with you. And I want to pray this morning for courage. For those that have been attending and have yet to call anyone friend here, Lord, that you would give them courage to step into this space of opening up their lives, whether that be inviting someone around, saying, I'm coming to a small group, I'm saying, hey, could I just meet up with you during the week, going out there right now to coffee and making conversation with someone they've never, heard, they've never met with before. I pray, Lord, may you not let us rest until this area is rich in our lives. I pray for those of us, Lord, who have become comfortable and just assumed, Lord, that what they have in their life is enough. I pray that, Lord, the model that you've set in Jesus of the blessing of it being better to give than to receive, the blessing of being able to open up our lives to meaningful relationships and friendships. Father, I pray that you would stir us up for that this morning, that we would catch your heart afresh in this area. And Lord, in my own life, and I'm sure that there are here this morning who feel the same, you would just grant wisdom and that, Lord, you'd help us to push the pause button in reflection of saying, God, how can we prioritize people and friendship in our lives in a greater and meaningful way. Amen.